0: A peculiar treasure and God was speaking to the Israelite nation, saying, If you will obey my voice and my commandments, then you will be unto me a peculiar treasure. And then when you come to the New Testament, we are as God's people Christians referred to as a peculiar people. And I'm preaching on that and I have been going through the various peculiarities that are connected with becoming a Christian. Some Christians look upon salvation primarily as a storm cellar. That is, when a trouble brews, they have a place, a shelter to which to run. And others look upon salvation as a fire escape, of course, enabling you to escape the flames of the lake of fire or hell, and instead of that escape to a place of refuge or a place of haven we call heaven, Still, others see, salvation is a great retirement plan. If you have to go somewhere when you die, well, it seems like heaven has the most to offer, more beauty, more pleasures, more delights, more benefits, so it's a retirement plan. What we really, I don't think, sometimes realize is that salvation's greatest benefits are those things that I'm calling peculiarities. Salvation makes a person peculiar. Now, I know a lot of folks don't like to be looked upon as peculiar, and if you are not peculiar, then there is something wrong with your salvation experience. You are not expressing what God has done in your life because you are, according to God, desired by him to be peculiar. Now, this was true in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel. It's true now with us, his New Testament church, We are peculiar, and we are peculiar because God has made us that way. I'm not saying you go out and do some silly things and act in odd ways. I'm saying the peculiarities associated with salvation are all wrought or produced from God's side, not from ours. I don't do anything to make myself peculiar, Everything done to the Christian that makes him peculiar is done by God. Now, this morning we're going to take up another one. That is one that I don't know really how to uh, intrigue you with, but I'm just asking you a question. Uh, what special gift did God give you when you got saved? There's no doubt that eternal life in the Bible is called the gift of God. Salvation is called the gift of God, which comes through faith by grace. Now, I'm not talking about that gift. I'm not talking about salvation from heaven, from hell to heaven, from sin to righteousness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when, let's say you got married And uh, you got a diamond ring. Now, you don't have to exchange rings to get married. You do, I think, have to have wedding vows, and you do have to make a promise one to the other. But you don't have to give a ring. You see, if you don't have the money, you can't afford to buy a ring, you can still get married. Now, the bride could say, well, what gift did my husband give me? He gave me this ring. Now, what did God give you outside of salvation? What did God give you as a gift? Uh, You may have given you something he didn't give me. He may have given me something he didn't give you. What what was your gift that he gave you? I know Peter on the day of Pentecost, in a sense, says that the Holy Spirit was a gift of God that was poured out upon those who became saved, and that too is true, but that's a gift every Christian gets, who gets salvation. Everybody gets the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the gift I make reference to has something to do with a new skill, a new ability, something that you can do that you could not do before. What is your gift? Something you now have you did not have before. What gift did you get? And you got one if you're saved. in the normal world in which you and I live, we speak of people being talented. That is, as an artist or a musician or an athlete, we say these are very gifted people, talented people. And we use that word gift in speaking to them. And so when I use this word in connection with salvation, there gets to be some confusion in our mind we speak of an artist that has gifted hands and we speak of a singer as having a gifted voice and we seek so to speak maybe of a of a person who plays a drum having a a gift of coordination or a gift of rhythm but have you ever asked the question what's the difference between your fingers and your hands, and that of an artist. See say, the, the artist has gifted hands. What's the difference between their hands and your hands? Supposedly, there are four fingers and one thumb on each hand. All have the same number of joints, same kind of muscles. Put them on an X-ray machine; they all look alike. What's the difference between my hands and I can't paint, and the hands of an artist? If you know, the hands are the same. I don't see why they can't do the same, do you? What's the difference between my lungs and my throat and my vocal cords and my lips and my tongue than that of a great singer? What's the difference in that? You know, if you again go to a doctor and there you have an examination and he says, well, you, you're, you're you're both just the same. Well, then, why can't I carry a tune? And I can't sing, by the way, Uh, very good, all right? I I can sing a song I don't know, and I can make up about 15 tunes because I can't stay on tune. I just drift everywhere. So, well, you know, why can't I have the same thing that the great singer has, but I can't sing good? Why? What's the difference between the organs of my body and the organs of his? None. You see, the part of the singer that's gifted and the part of the pianist that's gifted is the brain, all right? And it's the brain that is able to tell the hand where to put the stroke and what color to use and how to do the things that needs to be done to make the picture come to life. It's in the brain that determines the ability of the voice to reach a certain range, to hit a certain note, to sing clearly. It's in the brain. Now, if you put the brain under the x-ray, say, well, you both got brains, but folks, you and I know brains can't function on an equal level. Some are able to do things, others are not. The problem is not my hands and my mouth and my vocal cords. The problem is my brain cannot make all these parts of me work right so as I can come out to be a gifted person in that area. And so it's in the brain that all the talents of a natural man exist. It's in his brain, all right? Now, every one of us has a brain that excels in one way or another. We have some degree of talent We are better at some things than some people, not as the best one in the world, but you are better at something than you are a lot of other things. And you are better than a lot of people in that area. And so depending on the ability of your brain, that depends on how far you can go in the minds of other people towards perfection. Now, when you enter the family of God, By and through salvation, you are given a new skill, a new ability. It does not reside in your brain. It is not of you. It does not come from something within you that is a part of you that you were born with. It is called in the Bible a spiritual gift. The gift resides under the power and the control of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. He is the controller of the gift, not your brain. Now, he'll work through your brain, and he'll work through your hands, and he'll work through your lips but I mean the one who is the gift giver and controls the gift usage and controls the gift ability is the Holy Spirit. And so I asked the question, what, what is your gift? You say, well, he didn't give me one. Oh, yes, he did. There's no child born of God that does not have a gift given to them to be used by them controlled by the Holy Spirit. This, you see, makes you peculiar. You are able to do something through the gift of the Holy Spirit you could not otherwise do, and you can't do without the Holy Spirit. All right? Now, that makes you a little bit peculiar. If somebody says, how'd you do that? You say, I didn't do it. They say, you did I saw you do it. No, I can't do that. Yes, Ken, I saw you do it. No, I didn't do it. God did it. And then, of course, they get, oh, man, come on, get off of that stuff. God didn't do that. Yes, he does. Now, the power of the Holy Spirit residing in me gives the gift the ability to do that thing which God wants it to do. In a real sense, it's not my brain power. Salvation doesn't affect my IQ. it doesn't affect my brain. I, you know I got saved. I can't sing any better today. I don't think that I was when I got saved. I can't paint pictures today any better than I could when I got saved. I, the Holy Spirit didn't do anything in my brain. He did not perk up my IQ. Thank goodness he didn't lower it. But I mean, he didn't do anything to improve it. And I'm no smarter than I was when I got saved. That that has not changed. But there is a gift that can override all of my limitations. Just ignore them. And you can do through his power what you can't do anyway. I can't sing yet. But he hasn't given me a gift that I can sing. And that's fine. That's fine. Now, of all the things that that I list as peculiarities to the Christian, that is, dying, when did you die, and when did you go broke, and when did you get out of prison, and when did you get healed, and when did you rise from the dead, and when did you become invisible, and when did you change color, all of these things are things that you must take on faith because the Bible tells us that's what happens when we get saved. But when you come to this one, you see this operation of salvation. You don't have to go by faith on this one. I mean, you actually see a gift God gives work. You actually see the results with your own eyes, and sometimes you hear the results with your own ears, you can, of all the peculiar things, this is one that you can see take place. Now, whatever your gift may be, others in the family of God probably will be able to know it for you will. I know whenever somebody preaches on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the first question that comes to their mind is, yeah, but what's my gift? I don't know what my gift is. How how do I discover my gift? I don't know how many people listen to me on the radio. I have a chart that will, well, you can sit down and you can fill out the questions or answer the questions. At the end of the of the questionnaire, it will pretty well show you what your gift is. The, the Holy Spirit has Uh, given all of us a gift. Now, you have to allow him to use this gift. You have to allow him permission to use you. This gift is something that is to be used for him, to serve him. That's the purpose of the gift. Not to make you happy, not to make you popular, not to make you successful, not to make you rich, but the purpose is that you can use of him in a particular way to serve him. So you have to be available for the gift to be used. There are artists that don't paint. They have a gift, they just don't use it. And there are singers who don't sing. They can sing and they have a great voice, they just don't sing. And there are pianists who can play the piano very well, but they don't play. Well, they just don't want to. They don't want to develop their gift. They don't want to exercise their gift. They could, but they just say, I don't have the time. They don't take advantage of the opportunities that they are given to show you their gift. And so they say, I'm occupied doing other things. I'm not interested in using my gift. Well, now you can get a Christian in the same situation. You have a gift that lies dormant because it's your own fault. Now that's, that's a very great possibility. And so he we said, well, what's my gift? Well, let me ask you this. If you want to know what your gift is, are you volunteering to use it? If God says, well, here's what your gift is, are you going to use it? Or are you just being curious and saying, well, that's nice to know I have this gift. If you're not going to use the gift, there's not much sense in really even trying to find out. Now, to hear some Christians talk, they, they get left out by God when it comes to almost everything. And when it comes talking about spiritual gifts, I say, "Well, God left me out; He didn't give me one." That's that's impossible, you know. That's impossible. That's one of the great peculiarities about the Christian. Every one of us has been given a unique, special gift from God. First Peter four ten: Every man has received a gift, and therefore you should minister. Every man. I didn't say every preacher. Every man. And uh, let me say, woman too. In in Scripture, a lot of times, man just refers to both men and women. Every man, everybody, let me put it that way. Everybody's received the gift, and so everybody ought to minister one to another. The gift is given for you to minister. These are ministering gifts. You say, well, I don't want to minister. Well, you you know, you'll have a gift, but you won't use it, and it's a total waste. From, from the standpoint of God, he has totally wasted giving you a gift because you're not going to use it. But you got one. All right. Even so ministers one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's God's grace that gives you the gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and verse 4, and verse 7, and verse 11, and I'll read those to you. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren and I could say cistern, I don't guess that's a word, I would not have you to be ignorant. There are a variety of gifts, but they all come from the same Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives the gifts to every man whereby he can profit, not himself, but profit God. God has a plan and God has a work for you to do. Involved in that plan is going to be the need of a supernatural spiritual gift. All these gifts work according to the power of the Holy Spirit, who devised to every man that gift he chooses to give. So I don't, you know, specify which gift I would like, and then the Holy Spirit says, okay, if that's the one you want, that's the one you have. No, he picks the gift that he desires to give me. Some think there is a gift mix. That is, you'll have more than one. I, I I guess that might be true, but I'll say this. There is definitely a dominant gift of the Holy Spirit, one that is far stronger in you than all the other mix might be. We don't realize how God's will for our life is closely tied to our gifts. I don't want to lose you now, but I want to try to help you understand God's plot and plan for your today and tomorrow and your future is definitely tied in with that gift. We preach that God has a plan for our life. We're always saying, what's the will of God on this matter? Let me tell you that it's always going to be tied in with your ability to minister your gift. Now, you say, I'm not interested in gifts. Then you're not interested in God's will for your life or God's plan for your life because they are all tied in together. While God only knows, it stands to reason that God would not give you a gift and then make no plans for you to use it. For you to use your gift then he's going to have to plan your life around your gift. Did you hear what I said? If you're to be used of God, you're going to be used by God according to the gift he gives you. In other words, your gift is going to determine a great part of all of God's callings towards you. Where you're going to go, what you are going to experience, what you are going to face, who you are going to meet, what providential work of God is going to be required in order for you to exercise your gift. You think about this now, where you are, what you do, who you meet, all of these things are going to be tied in to some degree with your gift. And special tasks will be given you by God to certain people so that you can minister to them with your gift. And you are his man of the hour in this situation, and he has brought you to this spot and this place and this circumstance and given you the gift, and then he says, now use it. Many of the happenings of our life are happenings, folks, that really center around a gift. Many of the phone calls you may get, many of the surprises that you face stop and think, whoop, Is this got something, does this have something to do with my gift? You'd be amazed how many times the answer is absolutely. This is happening because there is a time and a need for your gift to be used. And so if God is going to use the gift he gives you, he must arrange circumstances. Next week I'll mention what the seven gifts are and then move on to our next peculiarity.